Light on Earth podcast with your host, Jake Weaver, engineered by Cedric Swan. Hey, everybody, we're back with another episode of Midnight on Earth. I'm your host, Jake Weaver. And as usual, we're here to bring you more knowledge, more light, and more love. We have an amazing guest today, an amazing guest. Her name is Kim Copeland. She's an end-of-life doula, hospice nurse with over 20 years of experience. We're going to talk to her in just a second. But first, but first, I need you to do this for me. Follow me on Instagram at midnight underscore on underscore earth that's the address go there follow us the more followers we get the more we get noticed the more all of these great stories get out there to people spotify follow us on spotify apple podcasts google podcasts wherever you listen to your podcasts there's a button that connects you with me connects you with us forever hit that button because we need to get this incredibly positive information out, out there more. And of course, the most important thing, please, please, please tell a friend. Tell people you know that love these type of podcasts. They're great podcasts. They're enlightening. They help people. They're funny. There's so much going on here. You know people that like this stuff. Tell those people. Get them to listen. Get them to open up their Spotify do that for me. I really appreciate it. Midnightonearth.com. And we're going to talk to Kim in just a second, but I want to read her bio. Here we go. Kim Copeland has over 20 years of experience as a psychic and medium, hospice RN, and energy medicine practitioner. She's walked between worlds with countless clients, witnessing an array of spiritual supportive helpers who offer messages of hope, support, and truly that life continues on the other side. Mediumship and psychic work developed from her studies in shamanism and energy medicine. She is passionate about assisting clients to discover love, connection, and support from their spirit helpers, which include loved ones, angels, guides, master teachers, animals, ETs, and more. Kim offers readings and teaches psychic development. Her teachings and readings are inspired by love, divine connection, support, and energetic balancing. Hello, Kim. How are you doing today? Hi, Jake. Thank you so much for joining us. I really appreciate it. Well, thank you for inviting me. I really appreciate this opportunity to be here on your wonderful show. I'm very excited. Well, we're trying to get out positive information. We want people to learn more about these things that are on the fringe of thinking, these near-death experiences, like when we talked to MK McDaniel and of course, Allison Gannon, she talked about communicating with deceased loved ones as you also do. But with you, you're with people as a hospice nurse, you're with people when they cross over. So these last couple of episodes and this episode is almost a trilogy to understand what happens as you leave the third dimension in this vehicle. So I think that's really important that you're here. And I, again, I really appreciate it. 
Well, thank you. It's my honor, my passion, <laughs> really, truly. Well, it's our service. We're That's what we do as spiritual people. We're out here <laughs> serving, doing our best. But okay, so let's start with your early life. When I, when I talk to people like you, energy sensitive people, intuitive mediums, I love to talk about what happened in your early life that kind of connected you with the spirit world. So when did you first start to notice that you had any kind of gifts like this? It's interesting because I've been thinking about that. Um, to tell the truth, I didn't know I had gifts. I thought my gifts were um, more like positive thinking. So when I was a kid, I noticed that when I would, uh, I wouldn't, I could tell things that were going to happen a little bit in the future, but not, I mean, just like maybe they're going to call now or the red car is going to drive right, little things like that. But I thought it was because I created it in my mind. You know what I mean? The different, I didn't know, I didn't really know about psychic so much. So you were under the impression that when you had these thoughts, these experiences, that they were almost kind of like a self-generated hallucination or some sort of yes. thought form that you created that yes. wasn't That's coming right. from outside. That's right. Yes, exactly. I don't remember being a medium when I was a kid, but I did grow up in a metaphysical family. So my mom, um, I saw her, she had all kinds of books on astrology, numerology, palmistry, you know, back in the day, she, we lived in uh, just outside of New York. She took classes in Greenwich Village and astrology. So I saw that and I was reading, instead of reading Nancy Drew, I was reading <laughs> books on, so I could tell you what somebody's sun sign was when they walked in the room. I was, by the time I was 12, I was quite well versed. So I just know I had a passion for learning. Um, and then my grandmother also was a, I would call channeler. Nowadays, you know, we would call it channeling or automatic writer. And she also did tarot. So, you know, I kind of grew up with some of those things as being normal. Um, but my mother died when I was 12. And so it was at that point, then it's like, uh, where did she go? And I started seeking, like, what's on the other side, you know? But I didn't, I never really found the answer. You know, there's a lot of grief. Uh, you know, I, I felt a little bit in the dark about that for uh, quite a few years. So this person, um, did you say it was your brother or your mother? My my mother. Your mother passed at 12. And that must have been really hard for you. And it made mm -hmm. you ask spiritual questions at that time. But yes. like you said, you had this upbringing where and really open-minded upbringing where all of these incredible uh, authors and this incredible information was coming into your world. So do you think that yes. increased your sensitivity early on because it wasn't uh, seen as something negative it was actually nurtured? Right. It was just normal. I just felt like it was normal. So it's not like I needed to hide it or anything. I remember my mother with my dad my dad was a very poo-poo about it. You know, like, oh, your mom's crazy, your, your grandmother's crazy and all that. But um, they did exercises just like she would think. She'd say, okay, I'm thinking of a number. What, what am I thinking of? You know, they would just do things like that. I'm thinking of a color, a number, an animal or whatever. And they would practice back and forth doing these exercises. And I still actually like that with my kids. I still do that. <laughs> but um, it wasn't until, honestly – uh, in my 30s that I went on an adventure that I felt like, oh, I kind of had an awakening. And it was... between. Yeah. I'm sorry to interrupt, but between 12 and 30, 
you kind of just had a very basic spiritual lifestyle, even though you had that upbringing, you didn't really incorporate it very much. I did not know I was in school, you know, uh, college doesn't lend itself to intuition, (laughs) right? (laughs) You have, there's a lot of facts and figures to learn. Sure. So you felt like there wasn't really a place for that. So then you kind of wanted to have a professional life and a really positive educational experience. So you had to set that world aside in order to succeed. So then, so then, um, did you have, cause you talk about your angel experiences. Did you have angel experiences prior to 30 or around the ages of 12 or in that stretch? Um, I don't remember so much that I did, honestly. Um, I, when I started having the angel experiences more when I was working with people on a table, when I was doing my energy work, uh-huh. um, or I, I also studied massage. I did massage therapy for a while. Um, and it was then when I put hands on healing, that's when I noticed I was seeing the angels or the departed loved ones. And then how old were you around that time? That was, I was still, I was in my, about 30. Okay. So really it just kind of boiled down to that time around 30, which correlates if I'm sure you, maybe, you know, or maybe you don't around the Saturn return of astrology. So yes. that, that was a big new life path journey for you. So I guess what happened around that time when you were 30? It's, it's amazing. I know. It's just like all of a sudden, I, I, this is kind of sound weird, but I was watching. I was a nurse, right? I had just only been a nurse because nursing was my second career too, by the way. Okay. Um, so I was home. Uh, I were, you know, watching a news show. A lady came on the news. She was a medium. I saw her do a demonstration. And I said, okay, I'm done. I'm, this is it. This is what I'm going to do. I don't know. I just, I just, <laughs> I, I saw it and it's like, okay. And off I went. And I didn't study mediumship necessarily, but I just did all kinds of other things. So that's not when you were a hospice nurse though, at that point, you were just a traditional registered nurse or were you a hospice I was nurse? a home health nurse. So what triggered it though? What was that awakening experience? I guess I just was reawakened, right? Because I felt like I was awakened my first 12 years. Yeah. Okay. And then kind of put it to sleep. Um, And then I don't know what triggered it. It just like something that opened up. was like, oh my gosh, there's a whole world that I have forgot about. Right. So then where did you pursue that? Yeah. So I, so um, first thing I started taking shaman classes, shamanic classes. And I went to um, Santa Fe, New Mexico for that. And then and I was living in Colorado Springs at the time. And in, and there was a man there that um, taught psychic development classes. So I took classes from him. So I just like everything I could find or read. And, and again, that was 1995, by the way. And did you have children at that point? No, no children. Okay. So you um, had the children post spiritual reawakening. Yes. Okay. I like putting things into context. It really helps uh, with the understanding because I'm sure you have this dynamic, wonderful life. I just want to kind of grasp the whole thing. So, okay. So you're 30, you're, you don't have kids yet. You're devouring these books that you're getting this new information. And then what happened after that? What, what made you grow even further? I think it's honestly, it's like my life path to always learn. I'm a number seven. I mean, if you know numerology at all. Uh-huh, definitely. Um, okay, so it's just this 
deep desire and passion. I don't know what it is. I feel like I'm actually more like in the heaven realm sort of. And I can, I just like to touch down lightly. I know <laughs> the feeling. Because it's pretty heavy. Yeah. You know, it can be, it's kind of heavy down here. Well, I think that a lot of light workers feel that same way. People that have a more angelic presence, perhaps you were an angel in your previous life. Some people think we're angels in training. There's so many different theories, but yes, it's uh, the light workers that seem to exist more in the astral divine realm and then kind of move into the third dimension in their body to do their work. It's really interesting. I've heard other people say the same thing. Yes. And so that, I think that's, to me, that's what a medium is. You're living in the middle of the two worlds, oh. right? And then when I was a home health nurse, I had done that for a couple of years and I, and I love animals. I love dogs. I had already studied massage therapy. I was already studying energy work, um, healing touch, Reiki, um, uh, therapeutic touch. So, and I, in my, in my, in my home health work, I just I knew that energy work was important. I could help with pain and wounds. I could see wounds healing much faster, pain go away. Like even people with heart attacks, things like that, are just putting you know putting your hands on the heart, you know, just moving the energy around. So I saw some amazing stuff. So I really that made me even more interested. And then since I am an, a dog lover, I saw an, an article in the newspaper about dogs being used in hospice as therapy dogs. Okay. And so I said, that's where I want to work. I want to work in office. So I, I, that's it. And that was, now it's been probably now more than 20 years. I don't know, 22 years. I'm not sure. So it's your original intention, did you know what hospice was that type of work? Like you said, prior to our interview, dealing with people that are in their last six months of life. Did you know that that's what the hospice work was? And did you did. understand the weight and the gravity of that when you decided to take that role? Yes. Yes. I mean, and it, it's a privilege and an honor and a joy. Honestly, it was, I, and I worked for an amazing organization. My, my supervisor, my brain, you know, we, I mean, during our interview, I mean, it just, everything about hospice is love, you know, and when you're working with hospice people, they're at that last phase, you know, six months or less. Um, and they have come they're to say goodbye, basically. They're, they know they're saying goodbye, so they're usually in a really good mood and they want to be re remembered well. And they want to also have all closures with anybody that they may not have had a good relationship with. So they're attempting to, to tie down their life and make it good at the last end, you know, the last little section. And so it's wonderful to work with these people. So did you have to have a specific set of requirements not just professionally, but also on a personal level to be a hospice nurse. Did they really, were they really stringent about who was able to work around these people? Well, I, um, I, you know, there might be some of that. I don't know that they actually said that like in an interview, you know, sure. but I know you, some experiences like home health, my home health experience was, you know, a good, because, you know, you go home to home. Um, and no, they didn't ask about spiritual. I, I would be hard to be a hospice nurse if you don't have any spiritual belief system. I think that would be hard. Uh -huh. um, I found that, that even the nurses, I mean, it was just like everybody, you, you go to work and then you get hugs. It, it's amazing. It really is an, an awesome atmosphere to work in. But did you notice working around the, these people, 
that they were all your coworkers. I mean, that they were all yes. kind of on this specific frequency where everybody had this higher understanding that you're around people, you're taking care of people that are about to cross over. Did they have that understanding? I don't say, I wouldn't say everybody, okay. but, and everybody's at different levels. You know, I don't, I don't know that I've met a, maybe another medium hospice medium, you know, um, but I would say the majority of them, you can tell they're high powered. Let me just say that. I feel like they're high powered people. Right. But was that intimidating for you a little bit to understand that you were a medium and you knew you had these abilities, but you were going into a place that was very energetically powerful as these people are towards the end of their life. Was that in a little bit intimidating at first? No. <laughs> <laughs> no, <right>. it's exciting. <laughs> no, it's, it's, um, it's joy. Yeah. You know, when you, when you walk in, so I, in, when you walk into a room where somebody's dying or, you know, in that whole atmosphere, no, it feels very joyful. Okay. Yeah. It's just, you know, it's, yeah. it's also just intense energy, right? It's gotta be really intense energy, even though it's like you said, joyful and high frequency energy, it's still gotta be yeah. really intense. You know, um, I guess it is and it can be absolutely. It, it's, uh, like, um, you know, what's wonderful though, you, I guess the thing is when you have these like glimpses of the angels, to me, that's the everyday hospice world. That, and I think that I've been doing it for so long that I think that's everybody's normal, but it's, but it's not really everybody's normal. So it's hard for me to understand that it's not everybody's normal. You know what right. I mean? <laughs> because it's so <laughs> natural for you to be around these energies, these entities, uh, even prior to doing your hospice work that it's, you just don't understand. I, I, I can relate a little bit as an energy sensitive person. It's hard for people that have not tuned into their sensitivities yet. Cause I think we're all sensitive. Um, to understand what you're going through or talking about or what you experience. That's actually more intimidating to me. <laughs> okay. So tell me what was your first experience with a dying patient? What was that like? For okay. You? Okay. Yeah. And I still remember very distinctly my very first two, for some reason, I still remember their names, Bill and Crystal. And um, so the first young man, they're 32 years old. And so, uh, you know, we're, we were pretty close to the same age. That was interesting. Um, but for him, you know, and that was a brand new hospice nurse, right? But um, what happened with him that was very spiritual was he would wake up in the middle of the night and, and he was on oxygen and he would go over to the kitchen table, sit down, light some candles. And then you're not supposed to have a fire when you're on oxygen, but he did it anyway. And, and the reason I know this is because his parents moved in with him to take care of him in the last section of his life. So they saw this, but they didn't wake him up. So he would go it was more, more like a sleepwalk. He'd walk over there and then have conversations with other people at the table that they couldn't see. Interesting. So, so he was having a near death awareness and near death conversations, which now I know that this is very normal. I don't see that many people walking to the kitchen table and lighting a candle, but I see this, these conversations. And this is your first experience. This is your first experience. Yes. Wow. Yes. And yes. so you said the words near death awareness, which is a little bit different yes. than a near death experience. Can you describe what near death awareness is for people that have never heard that before? 
Yes. So as people who are in the hospice world, you know, as, um, who are transitioning, they the veil for them becomes thinner. Their body becomes weaker, but the spirit gets bigger. So as that's happening, they become more aware of the spirit world. And um, so this awareness that they have, they just think it's normal. They see the angels, the departed loved ones, the pets. And sometimes for them, it can be a little bit like, well, how come you aren't seeing this? So, so what's, so I also have what I call shared near-death awareness. Um, and that's a term I made up, which means I can share in their near-death awareness. Well, that makes sense that because I was thinking about that because as a medium with your gifts, being able to communicate with deceased loved ones and deceased pets and the other things that you do in your life, being around people that are having this near-death awareness, it only makes sense that you would also be able to see and potentially even communicate with these beings. Have you communicated yeah. with these beings in those situations? Oh, absolutely. It's, a, it's awesome. It's the joy, you know, it's, it's the privilege and the honor to do that. Yeah, I love it when I'm being greeted by, um, here's an example of a lady, you know, this is not, this isn't a brand new nursing, but maybe five years ago, um, I knock on the door and, and a spirit comes and tapping on my shoulder as a man. I knew it was a man and he shows me a bouquet of red flowers and he said, please tell her I'm here. And so I go in to see her and she's in, already in a coma. So she's getting pretty close to dying. Um, and, but I told the family, I said, um, there's a man that came, <laughs> he showed me the red flowers and said, please let her know that I'm here. And it turns out her husband and they, she was in her 80s. They were both in their 80s. They'd only been married three years. They got married in their 80s. Um, but he always bought her red flowers. And he had that on his, you know, on the speed dial every week, got her a new bouquet of red flowers. So that was, you know, awesome, right? How right. he showed up. Um, yeah. Well, that's a pretty incredible. But okay, so tell me again the names of the first two people that passed on. Oh. Yes, Bill. Okay. Bill Moore. Uh -huh. mm -hmm. And so when you were with Bill, so he started having a near-death awareness, but then yes. what was it like when he passed on? What was that like for that first time? Because you're there as they cross over to the other side. Is that correct? As a hospice worker? Not every time. Sometimes they cross over in the middle of the night, you know, so I'm not there all the time when they cross over, but I'm there shortly after usually. Okay. If they, if they did it before me. Uh-huh. So have you, what was it like the first time you were with somebody that, that was crossing over that you were allowed to be there? Uh-huh. Well, uh, I, can, I don't know if I remember that first time. I mean, I've, there's a lot of times I can tell you about a time last week. Actually. Okay. <laughs> you want to hear about sure, it? Sure, sure. Of course. Okay. So this man, um, he wasn't very old. He's only 51. Uh, retired doctor. Um, his ex-wife and daughter were taking care of him. He had a liver failure. Um, but in the last two days, I saw him the day before he died and then the day he died, and I was there. Um, the day before he died, you know, we just got, I actually, I could feel the whole family getting ready for him to come. This is the day before Super Bowl, by the way. Um, and, I, and I just thought, you know what? He's going to die during Super Bowl. <laughs> it just came to me. But... 
but I could see the spirit world all surrounding him. I could see his dad, his mom, what they were wearing, the clothes, the the the, the tables being set, and and all that. Um, but so when I came the next day, he had was only breathing like five breaths a minute all day long, which is a pretty low respiration rate. Well, when um, they said, well, what can we do to help him? You know, he's just sitting here. And so I just went over, you know, got close to him and I just used my hands over his body. I just cleared the energy and I could feel over his heart. I, I put my left hand over his heart chakra. And I felt that he didn't know where to land. I could feel his heart chakra just moving and moving and spinning and moving. And he didn't know where to land. So I just kind of cleared that energy and I calmed it down. And then I saw the angels around him. I saw there was four angels, a light green, a light blue, a white, you know, maybe a yellow. So I could see them all around him. And I said, okay, it's time to go. It's time to go. And I used my kind of, uh, does that sound authoritarian? It's time to go. Does that sound a little bit bossy? I don't necessarily think so when, because you have to be clear from what I understand and what I've noticed with previous mediums and other paranormal experiences like the exorcist we talked about. You have to just be clear and simplistic with these people or these entities yes. because you're, it, it's not really too overbearing. You're just giving a direct command. It's almost like a like yeah. abracadabra, like a magical spell or something. And if it is their time and they're hanging on, like you're saying, without a place to really land, then they need that mm -hmm. guidance. And that's what your role is. Yes. And so that's what happened. Within about two seconds, he stopped and that was it. So oh my God. Um, and it was so easy. And the families were like, well, what did you do? And I said, I just told him it's okay. Basically, you just I just told him it's okay, you know, and that he can't make a wrong turn. And I actually think that he just didn't want his his wife and daughter to be alone when he died. I think that it was more about that as well. But that was actually pretty awesome. And then again, after he died, um, or, you know, this is a few minutes after he passed. I actually stood back. So he, he, we know he stopped breathing. I stood back, gave him space to leave, you know, to leave his body, to exit. So I, and rather than holding on to him, like holding his hand or something, which might keep him here, by letting go of him, he could let go easier. Interesting. Okay. So you almost like gave him an energetic channel, like a pathway yes to leave yes. because he was confused about his orientation. Right. It sounds like. Yes. Yes, absolutely. That was it. Well, that's and really then I saw powerful. right after it was powerful. And I saw right after that, he immediately, he went right to his mom and dad started having a conversation like, well, this is what I've been doing all this time since I saw you last. <laughs> and you know, they were just like catching uh, up like at a family reunion. And you got to witness that from an energetic perspective. Yes. And is that yes. visual at that point? Or like, or is it like. For me, it's very visual. I, I have a lot of visual with my, wow. um, my, mm -hmm. I saw him at the table. I saw him being the, being the life of the party. I saw him going over to greet other people. I saw the cake. I saw the fruit, the watermelon and everything that they were eating. Um, lots of fruit. Um, yeah. So it was beautiful. Well, how did these experiences and it sounds like you've dealt with, like you said, hundreds of people at this point. Yes. 
thousands, actually thousands. <laughs> thousands. Wow. Probably that's, thousands. That's really intense to think about. That's it's just really intense as a human experience to be around that much transcending to another dimension. So how did that transform your spirituality? How did that do well, that for you? Well, um, it affirms, it continues mm-hmm. to affirm every, every day that, that, um, miracles, you know, I think of what we, what I see usually every day is just kind of normal everyday, the everyday angels or the everyday pets, dogs sitting on the bed and all that, but that is actually still miracle. Yeah, it is very miraculous for sure, because you're understanding something that's beyond our daily world, beyond our human created reality, and you're witnessing it. It's it's a very divine experience. Um, okay, yes. so when you're around these people, are there energetic signs that death is coming that maybe you notice, yes. but they don't notice? Yes. What are some Absolutely. of those signs? Yes. So for the people that are transitioning, I see them more withdraw, with, you know, withdrawing from not wanting to know about the news. You know, those are more, you know, we can all see. You don't have sure. to be psychic to see that. Um, but I also feel like it's a you notice that they have more light. You know, psychically, you can see the more light coming. Like they might even start to look like an angel. Like you're like, oh, my gosh, she looks like an angel now. That, and that is pretty awesome, you know, to see that. But I see in the spirit world, the people that come to greet them, they change their clothes. So before, maybe they're wearing their everyday gardening clothes or whatever, the day of within 24 hours of when that person's going to pass, and this is how I know when it's going to be close, they've changed into like a formal attire. Wow. That's kind of mind-blowing <laughs> to think about. So there is somehow yeah. in whatever dimension they're at, they have this projection that they can filter into not the physical world, but to the world that you're seeing and they're wearing clothes and they're wearing normal clothes. And then 24 (laughs) hours before it's time, they slap on the formal gear. That is mind blowing to think about because it implies that there's some sort of systems in place on the other side to either live in that way to have clothing or there's some other system in place for when people come to comfort them. Like somehow spiritually we know if a person, a spirit shows up in that garb that it's in our spiritual DNA to somehow we know it's our time. That is just mind blowing to think about. It is. Absolutely. (laughs) It's just like when people are starting to die, they see trains, right? I don't know if you know about that. No, no, no. Okay. So with their near death awareness, um, often they see vehicles of transmission, like cars, boats, trains, spaceships, uh, I don't know, big boats, uh, marine boats, you know, things like that, things that move. Do you mean like in their field of vision or out the window or psychically? Well, or? I think it can be even in the ceiling. Wow. You know, I don't think they see it out the window, but it's what I normally see. They're looking to me it's the angel show that's watching at the ceiling. Okay. Whatever's happening there, it's like, okay, I see. Actually, I can tell you this other story. This man, he kept seeing four angels in a train in the ceiling. And he kept talking about it this day. And um, and when he died, uh, after he died, the kids were outside. They were waiting for the funeral home to come. They go outside and they look in the, ceil- in the sky, which is a night sky. They could see clouds that were shaped like four angels in a train. And they were like, do you see that? 
you know, it's, so it was that, how the, how spirit works is amazing. I don't know. All these things are miracles. Well, yeah, because it is divinity punching through time and space and multiple dimensions to interact with you personally. Right. Yes. That's, and that's how, miraculous. Yes, it is. And how do we, I guess they bring it to us in a way that we can understand. Like, you know, when you go to a wedding or you go to a party, you get dressed up. It's a big deal when you transition over to the other side. They are, they're, they're, they're going to meet you in their best, right? They're excited to see you and there's going to be so many people and it's overwhelming, but usually there's one or two, one or two that are the main like uh, leaders in the group. I think it's to help not be so overwhelming. So the one or two leaders are in your uh, experience, are they affiliated with the family themselves or do they seem to be angelic guides that show up with various families in different places? Yes. I've seen it both ways. Oh, wow. Yeah. I've seen it where it's like the, the grandmother or the aunt who took care of everything, you know, and she's telling everybody what to do. I see that. Okay. And, you know, she's, she's like, I'm going to be by the person right here when they're dying. I'm, I'm in this space. And you guys just stand back, okay? I see that. Uh, that's quite often, quite common. Um, and then when I mention this to the families, I say, I know I'm, there's a grandmother right here. There's a father right here. And they say, oh, yes. And now you describe how they look and everything. Yes, you know, so you know who it is. And they said, of course, they're going to be in that role because that's how they were in life as well. But who are the consistent beings that seem to pop okay. up with other families and different people? Okay. Um, well, there's uh, d lots of different angels. You know, I don't know if there's going to be the same angels for every person. I have no idea how that works. Uh -huh. The way I see angels, I see white or blue, usually sometimes gold, but mostly white or blue that are kind of hanging around the person. Sometimes I see one big one or sometimes I see a lot of little ones. Right. So yeah. I remember you were I saying can't. that early on in the episode, the different colors. So you're saying you can distinguish that they're angels, but you can't go so far as to distinguish the individual angels, potentially even by name. Well, uh, unless it's an archangel. And have you experienced you know, that? So yes. Tell me um, more, please. I love yeah, this. Thank you so, so much. <laughs> I, your stories are captivating. I'm just like hanging on every word. I'm trying my best to really <laughs> ask the best questions I can. But yes, tell me about archangels. I want to know everything. Okay. I'll tell you for sure about one archangel that I know of. Okay. The, um, I mean, there's a couple, but anyway, uh, so this one lady, it's actually the one I wrote in the book, I wrote about, um, and I didn't know who it was, but this, so this one woman who was dying again, she's like, I'm, why are these young people? I am noticing, by the way, a lot of younger people going now, and I don't know why, but mm. I don't know. I have to do I have to do a study on that. But anyway, she had um, the biggest angel I've ever seen. I was as taller than I'm going to guess it was 20 feet. I mean, I know there's big angels on mountains and big angels over hospitals and all that. Everybody has an angel, right? All buildings have an angel, but she had this huge one right behind her, and it's purple. And it was like the fuzzy blanket feel, like it felt soft, right? I didn't see wings. It was more just an energy, a big, huge purple energy. And she um, was also very shamanic. She was a healer. She was a naturopathic doctor, and she studied a lot of spiritual stuff. So it was interesting that she had this big, huge angel. But next to the purple one were other half-sized green ones. And again, they, they were looked identical to me. You know, I couldn't tell one green one from the other green one. They were just big green things. Again, the fuzzy blanket feeling. 
more like if you were to put a sheet over your head, you know, that kind of a shape. Sure, sure. Okay, so that's what they, they stood by her bed for three days and did not move. But the feeling, the thing about the purple angel, and actually the green ones felt like guards. I felt like, whoa, these are like security guards or something. That's what, it was their energy. But they also felt joyful. So it was hard, you know, that you had the joy. I don't know. Can you have a joyful security guard? Yes, definitely. <laughs> okay. <laughs> okay. But the purple one felt, um, oh my gosh, protective. And like, if I had a voice, if I could talk really deep, I would be like this. And she's not making a wrong turn. There are no wrong turns. She's going to come with me and she's not going to step off the path any which way. You know what I mean? It felt sure. that powerful. So you think, really powerful. You think there was something special about her specifically where she got assigned an archangel. Is that what you were interpreting as the archangel? I don't know why she got assigned this archangel. I have no idea about how that worked oh, wow. or why. But she did. And then when she died, okay, so then, okay, so this is interesting. The day she died, the angels were gone. Those, the purple and the green guys were gone. But what I did see were more like human forms on the side of her body, like three and three. And they were doing, you know, you know, like looked like energy work, putting their, their hands above her body, like healing, giving her healing before she moved, before she transitioned. It was awesome. I mean, really to see the spirit beings giving her energy work. So it seems like perhaps she had a really powerful life previous to that one. And then she, maybe she had a rough patch this time and somehow they were guiding that higher spirit into the next world. I don't know, but she had a caregiver who was also very entombed. She made a very sacred space. They had a shaman come and do some drumming and rattling around her. They made the space beautiful where she was dying. They had beautiful colors of silk scarves. They had essential oils. They had candles and flowers. So they made it awesome, very sacred. Right. They created the space for those higher entities to come in that maybe other places don't have all the time. Yes. Wow. Yes. And then when she died, so that day... Um, after she, well, it wasn't really, it was just right before she died, about maybe two or three hours before she died. She was still breathing, obviously, but, um, I saw her, I was sitting at the end of her bed and I saw her wearing a white wedding dress. She was standing and she was walking and she was walking down an aisle with like lined by candles and she was holding flowers. She had flowers in her hair and she was holding a bouquet of flowers. And there she was. I just thought, wow, okay, this is it. She's going to die finally. Right. And she did a couple hours later. Wow. Well, it's like, you know, you get those messages, you have those experiences and that's just like you said, another affirmation, right? That's just even more affirmations because we talk about how important affirmations are because you may be hearing these things that we're talking about or things that have been on previous episodes and it may not be new information to you, but it's so reassuring and it's so positive to get those affirmations and it actually strengthens your core belief, and then you start attracting even more powerful experiences that are in that same frequency range. Um, Okay. So when you're around these people, are there physical sensations, people that are passing on, are there physical sensations, smells or anything that you notice as they're getting close to time? Oh, absolutely. I mean, you don't have to be psychic or medium to see this. This is just, you know, everyday physical world. Yes. Smells the smell, the breath changes. There's a difference in the breath, the way it smells. 
you can tell it's a kind of a sweetness or something there that changes of course the coloring changes right heart rate respirations so the heart rate goes up the respirations go up usually too blood pressure usually goes down until the end and everything kind of drops so somehow um, the physical body is preparing for this transition it knows it's coming and it's and it's working its inner mechanics to do whatever it does to make that happen Yes, the brainstem. See, the brainstem is what regulates our respirations, our heart rate, and our body temperature. So, yeah, when that brainstem starts going wonky, then you know, yeah, things are changing. That's a, that's called the last. Uh, the last phase is called actively dying. Uh huh. And so that's within, you know, usually within three days, sometimes seven days, three to seven days. Of course, and then people don't want to eat and drink normally. Sometimes they do. Right. I, I would want to eat as as much as I could the last few days. I, <laughs> I'd be going down the list. I'd be like Ethiopian, Italian, uh, everything, actually everything. Just give me everything. But uh, <laughs> so um, how can we shift as a society, shift how we perceive death? Because it really seems mm-hmm. like that the problem that we're facing with people that are in hospice care and just as a society, a Western society in general is that we see death as something a little bit scary. Whereas let's say in ancient times in ancient Egypt, they, their whole culture was preparing for death. Um, And and what can we do to change our perception of death? Like what, what would you say to a person who has a very mainstream perception of death and how it functions in order to help them understand it's a, natural process that's positive and and you're actually going to a really positive place Mm -hmm. well and it does depend on the person nowadays so people are becoming more aware i'm noticing that but i I just i'd like to open up the opportunities for them to understand that there really is no death that we do live on we for we are always just because the body dies doesn't mean we die so if somebody is an atheist or something, then that may be hard to convince. I mean, it's not, it's not my job to convince anyway, but I, I might just say, notice what the patient is doing. Notice their awareness. Notice what their, their near-death awareness, they are seeing the angels, accept that as reality. What are they experiencing? And, and then I would say, and if somebody wanted to join in on that same experience that, that their family or whoever it is that's transitioning they can sit next to that person and just in the quiet space also be open to those spiritual experiences and that is awesome if they actually do that well that will help them with their own death process because for me i kind of see death as like a graduation like i think our our culture would be radically different if we celebrated death as as like a college graduation we had a big party oh my goodness did you hear grandpa frank died he graduated this is incredible yeah you know if we had that mindset think about how different our world would be i i agree i agree and and i do usually say congratulations or sell yay celebrate or hallelujah i usually do something like that with the family like, and I, and I, yeah, definitely it's all positive. Yeah. Well, you know, I guess that segues into another question is uh, what are some of the techniques and practices you use when preparing someone for death or a family that's losing mm. a loved one? 
Um, you mean as far as a spiritual technique? Yeah, like, uh, you know, like how do you guide them as far as like, Mm-hmm. this is what's going to happen when you cross over, you know, don't panic, you know, things like that. Like what oh, are yeah. some of the things you, you guide yeah. people with? Well, I mean, first of all, I do talk about the physical changes that will happen, you know, kind of some of the things that we just talked about sure, sure. So, and to make it normal, right. Make that normal. And then I, since one of my favorite topics is near death awareness <laughs> and mediumship and, and all that and spirituality, um, I might start with something very gentle, just like I might sit down and say, wow, I'm I'm really feeling angels in this room. And you know what? They oftentimes will, there are angels here. Do you feel the angels? You know, and then, then that kind of opens up the conversation that creates a sacred space. So I just kind of explain that we don't need to have like the news on and things like that, but just, in, just opening our own awareness, sitting in the silence, opening our awareness and having a calming, beautiful environment will help us become more sensitive to what's happening. And I, and I will, I, I am totally open to suggesting, oh, I think grandmother's here or the angels are here, or do you feel that? And most people are actually quite open to that. So they like having you as a medium around in those situations because you're able to interpret some of those other sets of information that are coming from other places and it's comforting for them. But the people yes. that are dying themselves, I mean, do you do you kind of give them kind of like a, a game plan, I guess you could say, of what's going to yes. happen after you pass over? Yes. You know, the light, oh, the panoramic yes. live review. Do you kind of give them suggestions? Um. Well, you know, what I would what I would just tell them is just to look for their angels or look for their, you know, their loved ones. You know, just look and I tell them they will lead you to the right direction. You know, I don't know if we can actually make a wrong turn. (laughs) I don't know. (laughs) I actually have heard some people making a wrong turn, but um, I just want to affirm with them that no matter what their belief system, actually it doesn't matter if they're an atheist or not. It doesn't matter whether what kind of religion they've ever or not practiced. That has nothing to do with what's going to happen on the other side. Right, because... the divine is infinite love and it's going to embrace yes. you and understand your story from the day you were born, all the circumstances, everything you thought and everything that happened between that day and the day that you went to that next dimension. So it's infinite love. So you're yes. going to be there yes. because some people yes. theorize, I've heard these theories that you're not supposed to go to the light because mm-hmm. somehow that that's not the path. And then of course there's some people that say the light, that you see at the end of the tunnel is actually the opening of a vaginal canal and you're just going to be reborn again and just instantly, you know, and there, and then some people talk about the panoramic life review. What is your personal belief about what happens after a person dies? Like how do things flow? Yes. I think the very first thing is they're greeted by somebody. Okay. They never die alone. They're greeted by either the angel, the archangel of death or, or a loved one or pets. I had one lady, she would not die, did not die until her two dogs came to meet her. Then she was ready to go. So uh, there's that greeting. And I believe in that greeting, that can they, they will lead them to the right place. You know, I, I, do they go to the right? Do they go to the left? Do they go to the light? Do they go to the green? I don't know. But I do know that they're greeted. I think that's the very first thing. And then also, I believe that there is a healing time. That if, especially if their body is like, if they have cancer or something like that, that they go into a healing area somewhere in this other dimension 
they and they get healed and that could take who knows how long there is no time about it but it's a it's a process where they're re it could be reliving their life you know of course they have that but i mean there's a lot of baggage that we have here right so it's like a cleansing you got to shake off the third dimensional stuff and then before you can move on but is that when the panoramic life review kind of takes place or is once you shake that stuff off then you go into that in your opinion i think the panoramic life review happens first oh wow very first i do i do i think that and then i think it's kind of maybe the same time even when they're get greeted right and then that life review and then they're decide. then they decide if they're going to go to the healing it's not exactly a hospital but you know something like that sure no it makes sense that there's kind of a transitory cleansing dimension where you can shake off things before you access those even higher frequencies, which is where these beings live. Yes. And I don't think everybody does it the same, right? Some people have it easier than others. And I think some people that I've known that maybe even practice meditation or Buddhism, whatever, but they were very spiritual, their transition is way easier. Yeah. It's like butter. Because when you're meditating, oftentimes it's like, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> they just float on in. Exactly. It's so easy. Well, that's because. And people who also have. Well, I'm sorry. I'm going ahead. That's because people. No, are I was preparing. just saying who have little regrets. Yeah, yes. exactly. Without, and also who have um, fixed, pitched all those loose ends together. You know, they say they are sorry as much as you can on earth. That makes it easier as well. Right, because there isn't those regretful things that you have to kind of process in that dimension. Because if you don't take care of it here, at least on some level, you're going to have to take care of it somewhere, whether it's reliving how you hurt someone else or whatever happened, you're going to have to deal with it. There's never escape. There's no escaping anything you've ever done karmically. You're going to have to experience it in some way at some time. Yes, and that's why you want to do as good as possible. <laughs> I mean, even to the little points of not even stealing that bubble gum, right? Yes. I mean, even to that little amount. I, I, I agree because, I, yeah, I had a dream or I had a vision. Of these. This is way long ago. This was 18 years ago. I was in bed with my son, and I saw these angels come to the side of me, and they, they showed me that the world – is going to be very dark and white, which is actually kind of where we are right now, right? And they showed me that you want, they told me, you stay in the light. And they really said it's important to stay in the light. And to the point of like even this little bubblegum thing, I mean, like to that nth degree. Well, it seems like every action has an energetic signature that has some sort of resonance that attaches to your energy body. So as long as you're, maintaining high frequency decisions, maintaining high frequency thinking as much as you can as a human, you're going to stay in that different bandwidth. There was a visionary artist that came on as a guest. His name's Chris Dyer. He had a theory that there's going to be a timeline break where the people that are in the high frequency of thinking are going to go to the heaven on earth timeline. And the people that are in the dense, negative, egotistical thinking are going to be in a different frequency range and therefore fall into a different timeline. I agree. It kind of lines up with what you're saying. Yeah. I, and I agree with that. I think that is, and I think that's where we are right now. So we're, we're at the splitting. fork in the road. We are absolutely. I, I'll give you an example though of a lady 
about what happened when she died and she didn't she didn't actually follow her guides, right? She decided she was going to stay here to be with her grandkids. And so she had like five grandkids and she and I, when she was dying, I, I saw her dad by her um, and we talked about that and, and that was kind of comforting to her. But when but she still wasn't ready to go because she wanted to be, you know, like I said, with her, those five kids. So um, after she died, I thought she had a normal death. You know, I wasn't there at the time of death, but I thought probably she's fine. But one day when I was meditating, maybe about two weeks after she died, she came to me. I felt her energy. She, she came and she said, Kim, I need your help. And I kind of like, okay. And um, she said, I haven't crossed yet. So um, then I just said to her, I explained to her, if you go and get your angel wings, you can come back and see your kids. And so, you know what? She kind of like, okay. You know, I mean, I know this sounds weird, but I felt no, her. No, not at all. Okay. She kind of said, okay, I think I can do that. I can go get my angel wings and come back. And so then what I saw, which is, this is the really cool. Two angels on the side of her going on. And they were, they, uh, they were both, they were bright blue, by the way, beautiful blue angels, uh, like a, like kind of the, as a, well, like a Mary mother blue. Okay. Anyway, but they had, they were pushing her along, like hurry before she, and I could hear him say, hurry before she changes her mind. And they were kind of like, you know, giving her push on her back, like, let's go hurry. <laughs> because she, she was just kind of hanging out watching her grandkids, but she was ready to go. That's why she contacted you. Yeah. She was confused how to get there. And did she contact you after she did go to the she other did. side? She did. She did. Oh, tell and me, so did she thank you? I, yes. So she was in, a, I was in a, actually a mediumship practice group and uh, she came in and she said, yes, she said, I'm here now. I'm great. And then I actually saw wings on her. I did. I actually saw wings on her. You know, I remember I said, get your angel wings. And she came back and she had wings on. <laughs> <laughs> She's like, well, I got them and I'm back. Just like you said. <laughs> well, okay. So what are some of the things that people can do? to stay in a high frequency, to, to keep themselves mm -hmm. going to that positive timeline. Yeah. Well, I mean, that's the, well, I mean, I have lots of things I do. Um, I want to encourage people to, first of all, stay, you know, just focus on what's the good for other people, you know, be good to other people, right? Be good to the earth, be good to the animals. I think that that's really important. Also to apologize, you know, it's okay to do that. Um, also, other things I think people can do to help their vibration is, you know, things like don't watch too much news, you know, limit, limit the amount of news, limit the energy of the people that you hang out with that might drag you down. Um, I personally, I like crystals. I, I love, I'm holding this, uh, you know, uh, rose quartz right now, things like this that makes you feel good, right? Thing, um, also, of course, a good diet, right? Just to, just to feel like, Eat things that make you feel healthy. All that, I think all adds together to keep your vibration up so that it kind of leads you. Because if you feel better, you're going to think better and then you're going to be in the light more. Right. Does you're going to be making sense? more loving decisions, more conscious decisions because you're not dealing with toxins in the food or whatever seems to be irritating you that actually causes inflammation. And that, that, that feeds into exactly. your spiritual body. The physical inflammation feeds into your spiritual body and then you're not your best. So if you add all those wonderful things up, then man, you're going to be doing yeah. good. Better. Absolutely. And I also, of course, believe in meditation. 
you know, or just sitting and people don't like to meditate, then I would, you know, suggest even a walking meditation or a yoga meditation or, um, you know, just a gazing at a candle kind of a meditation. Just, just something to, to clear. A, yes. To, be, to me, that's when I noticed a huge shift is when I started meditating. Um, it was like, well, that's because to me, it's like things line up. When you meditate, and we don't know how it's happening, but if you're just meditating, you don't have to think about anything, but then the universe starts providing. Just things just start working out. Somehow you're calibrating your personal energy with the universal energy through meditation. Yes. Wow. Yes. That's so powerful. Well, it's be how you become a more spiritual person, which is what we're all trying to do. I mean, I think that the human, no matter where we're at in our spirituality, no matter where our religion or our cultural background is or where it came from. We just want to be better spiritual people. I think there's something in our, in our spiritual DNA that, that makes us want to do better. But when you're doing this hospice work, did you notice that people became more religious or more spiritual? You could say as they were getting closer to the end. No, not really. Okay. I, um, well, I do. What I notice is that they start believing that to me, it's just more natural. Like, Oh yeah, there's angels. There's a, so I don't, I wouldn't call it religious. Right. Just more. Yes. They're opening up. They're opening up to the spirit world. Right. Not necessarily. That's for sure. religious, that happens. But, but spiritual thinking. Yeah. yeah. Yes. Spiritual thinking. Yes. I do notice that. But you know, also the thing is when people are starting to transition and getting to more spiritual, they don't talk as much. See, it's not like you and I talking. So they don't explain everything that's going on with them because the words slow down. Uh, so they're just really processing this next dimension and letting go of their life. Yes. Yes. And the, the thing about the letting go and is a good thing you mentioned that because I, I do remind people I, to the families and to the person who's transitioning the idea to be able to transition peacefully is to be able to let go of things in this life. So all these little attachments. And I think of it like on a belt, you're letting that one off and that one off and that one off. Wow. This is so amazing. You know, we, we have this desire with this podcast to help people understand the death process a little bit more because it's just as natural as life. People celebrate life. Every time a new life is born, we celebrate, we have parties, we do all these things as humans ritualistically to acknowledge this incredible experience. And we have a different set of rituals for at least Western culture with dealing with death. But we're trying to help you understand that this is so natural. This is so natural. Is the human experience from your perspective if you were to quantify it in a percentage as a spiritual being, what part of the human experience is the completion of our spiritual development? Would you say like each life is probably like 25% and then our spiritual life is another 25 because it seems like there's so much more. There's so much more to our human experience as light beings in the physical body. Like there's so much more that we have yet to experience. And, And the human part is, seems like it's almost minimal. Almost nothing. Yeah. <laughs> oh. <laughs> yeah, I would say almost nothing. Um, yeah, there's, it's, it is hard to know exactly, you know, what happens on the other side and what we can do to prepare. But I think having an open awareness and open 
mind to what can happen and to the miracles that can happen, make it magical and a reason to celebrate. Right. So it's really just letting go of the shackles. If you, if your family came from a specific yes. religion, just letting go of the shackles of paradigm based beliefs and just kind of embrace the moment because it's like yes. when that's happening, none of that really matters because the soul is just transitioning into this loving dimension. Do you think the soul has uh, a physical weight? Uh, and do you think it has a place somewhere in the human body or is it, uh, energetic, not saying that's like an organ or something, but is there some sort of yeah. containment mechanism within the physical body? You know, interesting. If it was to weigh anything, I, maybe it's a gram or something. I mean, so, so minuscule, right. Um, but I feel it, it feels like it's in the heart to me. I, if I had a place where this or more the spirit, you know, cause to me, the soul is way too big to hold in our body. So I think we just have a thread of it. Right. But the spirit of the soul, the one little thread that we're connecting, you know, we have the big soul over, at least in my perspective, we have the big soul over Pete Lowe or over sphere that has a thread that's to this by the spirit that we have. I feel like it's very much in the heart. Ah. Um, so it, it, it kind yeah. of projects out from the heart energy center. Yeah. You know, some people feel like it's in the head. Yeah. The ancient Greeks believe that. And there, uh -huh. there was one doctor that conducted a study where he uh, weighed multiple cadavers just after the time of death, and he determined that there was a 21-gram difference. 21 grams. Wow. So, yeah. I don't know. You know, it's, 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 we're just, it's total conjecture. <laughs> it is amazing. It's totally amazing. I remember one lady <laughs> recently, um, she passed, and I never had seen this before. She uh, um, had passed. She was pretty young too. Had been married to her, you know, her husband. She had two kids. Her sisters were there, and we were talking. And I said, "Well, how long were they married?" And the those two sisters were talking about it, and they were trying to count it up and stuff like that. And I heard the patient who just died say, and I could almost see her lips move, which is even real. I've never seen that before. Like she was trying to move with her lips. She said, "27 years." And then I said to the sisters, I said, 27 years. She's saying 27 years. <laughs> and they said, that's right. And it was 27 years. And then it's like, wow, how did that happen? You know? Yeah, there was that uh, transmission of information there, it seems like. Yeah. And then after we changed her clothes, she said, well, that feels better. Like, <laughs> that's weird. <laughs> okay. I want to get your thoughts on something. Um when the physical body, the human being, when we're born, uh, the brain releases a chemical, a compound, it's called DMT, dimethyltryptamine. And when we pass on, when we die as physical beings, uh, the brain also releases that same compound. It's a very highly potent uh, psychedelic. Um, what are your thoughts uh -huh. about DMT and how the, the chemistry of that affects the death experience? Uh-huh. Well, first of all, that's news to me. I didn't know about that. So, but you know what I'm going to in, intuit from that is that that helps the Delta experience because they can be more open to different awareness, right? To a different whole new landscape that they're going to experience. So I would think that would be amazingly helpful. Wow. Yeah. You should really look into that more because 
you know, we ha- we've had guests on our show that are uh, involved in psychedelic research, and we've talked about this substance, dimethyltryptamine or DMT, and it's a very powerful psychedelic. It lasts about 15 minutes, and people talk about interacting with angels, uh, having simulated near-death experiences, and that has been proven to be released. It's stored in the brain. It's released when you die. So it's really interesting to think that we go out in this kind of biochemical psychedelic uh, experience. Yes. Yes. Interesting. You know, um, back when I first started, I would do some drumming with patients so they could actually have a visit to heaven and come back. So, you know, you, you know, about the shamanic drumming, right? Sure. It helps get you. Okay. But so, no, actually let's, uh, let's tell our listeners just in case they don't know, tell us what shamanic okay. drumming is. Yeah. So it's just using the drumbeat to change your brain waves so that you can be in a more meditative state, you know, getting down to the beta alpha, the beta delta, whatever to, um, so that they can make a little journey. And in a hospice world, we do the journey or we, or I did, with just a, a very simple journey going through imagined flower, a flower, imagine their mind a flower, and in the middle of the flower, they can t- go through the flower, and then they can go into the spirit world. So by we using the drum, and somebody's already in a more aware state, sci- uh, spiritually aware state as a, as a hospice patient, they can easily travel on a journey to go see their angels or their loved ones and then come back. So how many people have you used that technique with? Oh, you know, maybe 50. So it's, you know, it's not like a huge amount. Well, I mean, I, 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 I haven't done any <laughs> for me. That's yeah. huge. I mean, so you're using this shamanic drumming technique and they are able to kind Easy. of travel to these other dimensions, even if they have no experience with this type yes. of spiritual experience. That's right. Absolutely. The thing is, you don't have to say this is shamanism. You don't have to go into all the history or anything like that. It's so simple. Imagine a flower. You're going through the flower and I'm going to play the drum and you're going to go into the spirit world and just take a little trip, say hello and come back because it actually helps with their anxiety because everybody has anxiety about dying or most people do. Wow. That's incredibly powerful. So I mean, you know, I, what are some of the other stories that people should know that's going to help them be comforted about dying? Like what are some of the big stories over the years that you've experienced that were really profound that you want to share with people? Okay. So here's a pretty cool one, but at first I just want to say how important is the pets again with the pets talking about the animals. Cause a lot of people, this is what I find. They worry about their pets. Did their pets make it to heaven? And are their pets going to re- meet them? And I just want to say, yes, 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 they will. Because I see so often as somebody's dying, I see their pets on the bed with them, the spirit animals, the cats, the dogs, or whatever. And so um, you know that they're there. So there's, I just want to make sure everybody knows that. But do, okay, they have, do they have a more advanced consciousness at that point because they are existing in that higher dimension? Or are they still kind of like animalistic in their presence? They're kind of animalistic, but they're not there all the time. They come when they're, when they're dying. You know what I mean? I mean, they might come and go sure. before that. But when somebody is transitioning, when they're in their last few days, the animals stay there. 
Oh, wow. Well, I'm excited because I've had some great pets that I can't wait to see again at some point. Yes, absolutely. You know, so, um, so I just want to assure people that. And here's an, an example of something, how we are all connected. All right. Um, you know, doing this work, I feel like I have to prepare myself every day to go see people that are dying. I mean, I have to prepare myself through meditation or through my energy work, things like that. Um, and so I even prepare my house or my, you know, clearing my space. You know, I maybe I have uh, an energy worker come in and, you know, just do a whole spiritual clearing of my house, and my yard. So so um, one time I, I had somebody come do that. Well, actually, so the day before I had this happen, I was visiting a patient. She was in a coma, not non-responsive, no words at all. The family was there, and, you know, and they, they're surrounded by lots of family. I, you could tell the son was a little bit metaphysical because he said he, he was talking to his plants. So it's like he knew there were spirits, you know, and he, he had conversations with his plants. I think he was a um, landscape person. Okay. But anyway, so I go home and I get this, do this house clearing. And when I'm finished with this house clean, the man that did it, I saw behind him two green beings, like, you know, the ET kind of people, the um, extraterrestrial green that you think of the normal of the green, you know, the like common. the grays, like with the big almond eyes. Except they're green. These are green. Okay. They were the greens, not necessarily the grays, yeah. but the green, but similar with yeah. the, the oval head and the big eyes. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. I just mainly saw the green. I didn't see the eyes so much, but anyway. So they were standing behind him. And I said, well, I see two green beans. He said, oh, yeah, they, they're with me. And I said, does that mean they I might get like a space station set up in my yard now? <laughs> you know, hoping, right, maybe I can get a space station right here in my yard. And he said, well, they might. You have a big enough yard. They might do that. <laughs> anyway, so the next day, though, um, <clears throat> oh, and he said, also, there are Arcturians is what he told me. There are Arcturians. Art- so, Arcturians? Yeah, which I actually think are silver, which that's interesting. So yeah. I go to back to see the lady, and there were some interesting things that happened there. When I walked in, I said, well, I could see that there's a white spirit on the corner of the room. And I just went over, and I figure eight sometimes, and I think things need to be cleared. I just did this whole figure eight thing, and I went over to the corner of the room, I figure eighted that, and the, the man said, yeah, well, I told the spirit yesterday to go to that corner because they kept making the shades close up and down. I said, go from go over there, go to that corner and stay. That spirit stayed there all day. That's amazing. But the, the, what I was going to really tell you is that they, the family said all day, she said nothing. Yeah, it was the day before, you know, when I had the spiritual clearing, except for silver spaceship. And she said it seven times. She said silver spaceship seven times. Like that was the only words out of her mouth. And they said, and they said to me, they said, do you know what that's about? And I said, well, I kind of explained, well, it's amazing how all one we are. So what I do at my house affected her. You see what I mean? Yeah. Like there was this kind of network of energy that, uh, that were, that transcends time and space and somehow we affect each other in that way. You know, our last guest MK McDaniel talked about that. She was in an afterlife post-life experience and she was getting information about somebody else's mother, you know, thousands of miles away outside of time and space while she was dead essentially. So it's kind of, it's really interesting how we are all so connected because the human race, I mean, (laughs) there's so little that we've been taught about who we are, where we come from and what our history is. If we knew the true story of the humans, we'd, we'd probably have our minds blown. 
Yes. Oh, uh, yes, for sure. <laughs> but I just thought approved. Yeah. Yeah. What we do connect, you know, does affect other people. Yeah. And that's why it's so important to work on yourself and be the best yes. person you can possibly be because all the frequencies yes. are interconnected. There's no lines of demarcation. There's nothing breaking those frequencies. We're all just connected. So if we raise ourselves up, if we do good and get that higher frequency established, then that's what we're broadcasting out. And we're going to pull other people up. I think that that's part of our role as spiritual people yeah. to do that. Yes. And, you know, interestingly, too, Arcturians, when I looked it up on the Internet, I didn't even know what an Arcturian was. They help people transition. Whoa. Well, let's talk about that for a second, because we love talking about extraterrestrials on the show. So the Arcturians are beings, they're extraterrestrials, or are they interdimensionals? I think, well, I, don't, I think they're Ishis, I think. Okay. And they're... They must be. They have to be interdimensional. Yeah. To get through the time and space. They can travel. Yes. And and are these beings that you've personally interacted with or channeled outside of witnessing what you talked about earlier? Yeah. Well, I have seen them quite a few times. Oh my goodness. Um, And I see them around other people. Yeah. Uh, And to me, they're more normal to me. This is just my normal reality. Okay. There they are, you know, (laughs) I have a lady. Yeah, go ahead. Oh, I was going to say, do they have a message for us specifically? Is there anything they try to coach you with while they're interacting with you or while they're noticing that you're noticing them? Do they ever try to transmit anything to you for us? You know what I noticed? They have a very good sense of humor. <laughs> and it's like, don't take things so serious. We take things way too serious here. Well, we forget that we created a world that's on top of another world, I think. Yes. Yes. And some of them are funnier than others. Some of them are just like very peace. Like all this is all, you know, like we worry way too much. We're just at a different stage of development, you know, humans have this incredible destiny, this incredible story that's yet to be told. And there's other beings out there that maybe are farther along in their story. And they're looking at us and they just want to give us a hand. They want to help us out. But it seems like for what you're saying, the Arcturians also have a different role of kind of being a transitory being similar to those angels that you were talking about. Yes, they do. They do. Um, and I, and, um, that is one of the roles they come down. So I actually wonder, I might have more trains around than I know. I mean, as being walking with death as a death walker, there probably are more than, I mean, I, I believe we don't see everything, right? Uh (laughs) Obviously we can't see everything in the spirit world. Oh, you're saying that there's even more that's outside of your perception or even advanced people. Yes. There's still even more that's people. Well, yeah, there's only so much that we can take in that we're designed, even in our highest design, it seems like there might be some limitation to what we can perceive as humans because it's just so much. It's just so much. Yes. But you know what I do notice about them, they do have, they're different. They feel very different than humans and they feel quicker. Like when I, when I feel like I'm working with uh, an ET, my mind is like, I can't even think fast enough. They are, their mind is so, I don't know if you even have, is, is it called a mind? But it's so fast, I can barely keep up. So it's like you're, you're trying to interface with their consciousness, but it's so, it's, it's vibrating at such a high frequency that you can just kind of barely just get it a little bit 
and enough to establish what it is. And then that's that, uh-huh, about it. Uh-huh. But do you think that yeah. that's our destiny as humans that we're going to evolve to be able to interact with those type of frequencies more? Yes. Oh, I do. I think that they're coming more and more all the time. I, and I feel like the next 10 years, we're going to, it's going to be more normal. I, well, maybe normal for some of us. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah, especially those that have been preparing sp- spiritually, metaphysically, we've known about this for decades and we knew yes. when the greater human consciousness taps in and starts to discover it, that's when the real shift happens. But you know, that's also our role as leaders to help people because we are, we got the heads up earlier on, yeah. which is something yeah. to think about. <laughs> yes, exactly. I, there's a lady that I work with that she's a medium as well. And sometimes we do readings for each other and she has a lot of uh, these kind of ET uh, people around her, but hers are different. Hers are more like in the earth ETs. They, they, I, I just, they just feel like they live underneath the, this crust of the earth. But anyway, so when she and I, yeah, when she and I talk, they come over to my house. I see them hanging on the door. I see them all around. They just like the minute we get on the phone, they've come over. How do they know that? That's isn't that awesome? <laughs> well, it's like that quantum entanglement. Where as soon as you connect, like you're connected, like as soon as the energy, even before you're even making the call, the energy fields are connecting. So then they know what's happening next because they're outside of that. So, so you can see angels physically, right? Is, or so, but can yeah. you see it through a zoom call? Like, can you see anything related to what you're seeing around me right now? Um, okay. Yes. Uh, so let's see here. Yes. Through a zoom call. Um, well, it feels like a very motherly, a motherly angel I feel is around you. It's a motherly feeling. Um, and actually, you know, if I'm looking to your right, it would be to your right. I feel like there's a whole lineup. You have, there's like a lineup. Yeah. Okay. And what is it? What do you think their purpose is for me? How are they guiding me? Yeah. They, it's like you're on the right. I feel like they're doing this. You're on the right path. You're, they're showing you this love. It's just love. Really, it's what it feels like. It's love and support and, and pride, pride, a lot of proud and how you're working on earth. Lots of that. You have, it's like a whole group on that side and is very angelic. And on this side, it's feels more human. Um, but they're all kind of clapping right now. They're just <laughs> happy for you. <laughs> Well, it's, I I can see it and I really appreciate their presence. I feel their presence a lot. You know, I've had psychedelic experiences personally years ago where I connected with angelic beings. And I think that when you're working for, for God, for lack of a better term, because you know, we, it's a mystery. It's so much bigger than religion, but when you're doing the, the good work, the service, man, are your angels happy when you're giving back without asking for anything in return, when you're just doing, when you're just doing what your talents are, when you're doing, no matter what that is, people out there, whatever your talents are, when you're doing, man, your angels are there for you. And you know what? You're going to get a lot of support. You get energetic support. You get support that's outside the the third dimension. And I think that's what it is. You know, getting to talk to you and, and, and Allison and all these other people, and sharing our stories and getting that out there, it's really helping people because they're, 
afraid right now. Some people are very afraid about yeah. where the world's going because yeah. they don't have this deeply rooted spiritual understanding that anybody can gain, I should say, by just learning. Just go, go to the library yeah. and figure it out. But, uh, but you know, yeah. they don't have that same footing that we do, so they're a little bit nervous. But we're out here to tell everybody that everything's going to be okay, that, that things are going in the right direction. I think that when we're doing that, yeah, man. yeah I, I feel I feel sure about it. I'm, I have no question in my mind about that. Um, and I do believe everybody can be aware of their own angels. I mean, and I and there are a lot of people that are aware, but they just need an affirmation that, yes, that is an angel, you know, because it can happen so fast. Or, I mean, I see a lot of action, activity now as we're talking more still <laughs> on your right side. But um, because the awareness can be just a flash, right? Or it can be a feeling, you know, you know, the whole thing, knowing, seeing, feeling, hearing, tasting. So it can happen in so many different ways. And if a person learns how their receptivity is, what's their best receptive mode, then they're going to be more, oh, yeah, okay, now I kind of see that. Or, yeah, I guess that did happen. Or, yeah, I do feel my dog rubbing or my cat rubbing against my leg, things like that. Yeah, I think it really, well, yeah, I do smell cigarettes. Yeah. I think that really helps people you know? because like we said, we get back to those affirmations because it helps people spiritually develop when they have those experiences. Yes. And, and it's exciting. It's, it's incredible. Kim, thank you so much for being on the podcast. You know, we have, we have some time left. We have, you know, we usually go about an hour and a half or a little past the hour and 20. Is there anything that you want to leave our audience with specifically we've talked about the mm -hmm. afterlife we've talked about all these spiritual things because you're such a powerful person angels so many powerful things is there something that you can leave people with in a general spiritual sense that's going to help them just to, to have the confidence that they are a spiritual being and and that they can have spiritual awareness too i, I just feel like make everybody feel comfortable in their own awareness and to not doubt themselves. It's like, doesn't matter who That's you are. doesn't matter where you came from. doesn't matter if you read a single page of spiritual information in your entire life, you have all the equal ability in a, to tap into these same things that we're talking about. Yeah. And I also think it's important to connect. We know when you feel that you want to connect with your angels and guides and, you know, your departed loved ones, it's actually okay to verbalize and talk, you know, or you can think it. I think verbal is a little more powerful, but just having that helps integrate that connection stronger so that um, then you know you've got your team, you're, your team's ready to go. And it could be just walking around the block, right? And if you walk around the block and you see a blue jay, what does that blue jay mean? Or that the blue bluebird or whatever, you know, just know your team is with you and they showed you that bluebird for a reason. Right. You know, there's, a, there's a spiritual reason for everything. Wow, that's really powerful because it is all designed for us. There's something bigger going on and all of these symbols, these people coming together like me and Kim, it's all part of some bigger plan that's just beyond our general understanding, but we're notice it enough to realize that it's there. So if you want to get a reading from Kim, she does yeah. readings. You can go to her yeah. website, www.mediumkim, M-E-D-I-U-M-K-I-M, mediumkim.com. 
She's also a contributor to the book, The Last Breath, which is a compilation of stories related to mediumship. That's available on Amazon. You can get that when you can. Sounds like Kim's going to have a book coming out sometime soon, but she did just launch a YouTube channel. So go check that out. She's going to be uploading videos over the years as people go back and listen to this episode in about five years, 10 years. There's going to be so many videos on Kim's channel. Go check it out. (laughs) She's going to help you understand things that are going to guide you when you cross over. Kim, thank you so much for being here. Thank you, Jake. I so much appreciate the time with you. You're a wonderful beautiful being. So I really do appreciate it. Well, we appreciate you too. Thank you so much. Hold on the line. We're going to talk a little bit more and we'll see you next week.